Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Welcome to the Chad and Cheese Top 5 Picks of 2021, Joel's Picks. That's right, Joel cut his nap short today to curate this show just for you. Take it away, Cheeseman. One of the things I look forward to every year is the Super Bowl. Yeah, I enjoy the game, and I'm sure this is the Browns' year, but I also enjoy the commercials. And I really enjoy the commercials when they include companies in our industry. While the days of Career Builder and Monster dropping major coin on ads is over, Indeed and Fiverr took the plunge in 2021, and this was our hot take on the move. Enjoy. I don't know what that means. Let's get to the news, <laughs> shall we? Topics. Chad, you remember 1999, don't you? And the first Super Bowl ad. What? Yeah. You, you remember it very well, and you've I think you've told the history lesson uh, pretty pretty well in the past. But uh, Indeed has decided they're going to get into the uh, the arms race. So they've announced yeah. uh, the first half of the big game. They're doing a 30 second ad, uh, reportedly uh, at a cost of roughly 5.6 million dollars. Um, they'll be utilizing the hashtag now hiring in coordination with the with the ad, which means every job board and staffing agency in the world is going to be trolling yes. the hashtag now hiring up until uh, the game going for the warm and fuzzy. Uh, actually, it's a 60 second spot. Forgive me. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to drop roughly 10 plus million on this thing. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's warm and fuzzy, right? Yeah. I've seen it. It depicts everyday people overall. The, the the big theme behind it is it's called The Rising, but the song Rise Up is behind it's playing in the music bed. It's very well done. It tugs at the heartstrings and the product is woven into the story itself. This is really a super flex uh, against the rest of the industry. Hindsight being 2020, why why do this? So I wrote a I wrote a post on this uh, over at Poach, and historically speaking, and you and I are old enough to have sort of this context to the issue. You know, th- there was a day in '99 when all this happened. You know, before YouTube, before social media, before really Google was a thing, where the mindset was really you have to be Coke or Pepsi, or you're just going to be feeding on the crumbs of whatever industry that you that you're in. 
And a way to become number one or two was, well, drop a bunch of money on the Super Bowl. And Monster had this vision of being sort of this monolithic brand that was every job was posted there. Right. And they could they could increase prices accordingly and be the you know, be the 800 pound gorilla. Hot jobs advertised sort of for a different reason. Now, they definitely shot themselves up into the, the top echelon of job sites. But then they sold off to Yahoo a couple of years later. So I think they sort of achieved what they wanted to do, whereas Monster had a little bit of a longer horizon. And for the, you know, for the next up until about 2008 or nine, I'd say we talked about Career Builder and Monster ads on the Super Bowl almost every year. Yeah. And it was part of that same sort of mentality. Well, the 2008 happened, 2009. There have been very few Super Bowl ads uh, since the Great Recession, probably for good reason. Um, the world has changed. There's a lot more fragmentation. There's Google, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn. So it's really hard to sort of justify an investment like that because it's not just the the ad itself. It's the making of the ad. It's the follow-up stuff. It's the branding and, and things you do after that. So I, f- I feel like whereas 1999 was more of a, hey, we want to make a big splash to be number one. Today, it's more like we want to make a big splash to keep hold of number one for as long as we possibly can because we kind of feel like the, the ice is, is melting under our feet and we want to get a life raft if we can possibly do it. So to me, it's it's much more of like a desperation or a, a clinging to power than it is a new kid on the block and we want to be the big swinging dick. Your thoughts? One thing this does is it provides, uh, it's a job seeker specific commercial, right? The, the, the call to action, everything that's happening around it, around it is for job seekers. Indeed has bigger problems than traffic. So this commercial in itself is very well done uh, and on point. But unfortunately, we're, when hearing from employers using Indeed, they are already providing enough traffic. It's just overwhelmingly the wrong candidate. So mm-hmm. Indeed needs to bolster its matching tech and much like ZipRecruiter, deliver better match candidates. I mean, companies don't need more. They need more targeted. So much like Monster, Hot Jobs, and Career Builder, it looks like Indeed doesn't really understand what the real problem is for customers. And it could be their downfall. I remember when we looked at Career Builder and we looked at Monster and we thought, God, these guys are going to stay on top forever. They didn't. Uh, is this predicting the, the demise of Indeed in 2021? No, it's, it's not. But the crumbling starts when you can't understand what the real problem is. When you spend money on something like this, which really defeats the whole purpose of why an employer is using you in the first place. It's not for quantity. It's for quality. It's for matching. It's for the right types of individuals. And what we've seen with Indeed is they have no discipline. The the Indeed of old had discipline. They had focus. They had strategy. They were the Trojan horse strategy. And they've lost all of that. Yeah. To me, it it smells a little bit like jumping the shark. It it smells a little bit like a peak. Um, I feel feel similarly about Indeed today as I did about Monster in 2006 or 7. Obviously, it took 10 plus years for sort of that demise to happen or that downfall to, to happen. But to me, this sort of reeks of desperation and, and also a, a, a good level of, of hubris. They have, they have a new CEO, I think, with the organization. So maybe a little bit of him making his mark uh, could be part of this. But, but yeah, I, I can't find many good things about this move. 
Good stuff. By the way, the Super Bowl isn't that far away, and a hot economy means there should be more ads from companies in the employment space. The big question is, will we see some of the unicorns from the past year on the big game? Or how about ZipRecruiter, who's now a public company? Hell, maybe even a background check solution will show up to the party. Stay tuned. It's commercial time. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh, my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> it's showtime. TikTok was super hot last year and made it into our show more times than I can count. However, one story and interview really stood out. Meet Tony Palacino, a then senior at Ohio University who was working part-time at a local Sherwin-Williams paint store and mixing paint for his TikTok followers, which then numbered 1.2 million. Did Sherwin Williams fast track Tony to their executive farm system as a result? No, they fired him. Crazy, right? This is Tony's story. Enjoy. We got Paint Boy on the show today. What's up, everybody? This is Joel Cheeseman of the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Always joined by my Tonto, Chad Sowash. <laughs> Proudly. Chad, how are you, Proudly. man? We, we got a follow-up to one of our weekly stories. That's I right. can't wait right. to get into this one. No, he's 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 paint dude. He's not paint boy because he's in college. He's a senior. He's a content creator. Here's a, here's a little bit of an in, intro from BuzzFeed, okay? So an Ohio mm -hmm. University senior who worked a part-time job at a local Sherwin-Williams store was fired after the company discovered he was mixing paint on a TikTok channel where it's at, at 
Tonester Paints, which currently has 1.5 million followers. So that's that's kind of like the backstory. We talked about that on on the weekly show. Let's go ahead and bring it's Tony Pilosino. Tony, how you doing, bud? Pilosino, Tony. Doing well. How are you guys? Good. Are man. you in Ohio? Are you in Ohio now? Where are you now? Yeah. I'm in Athens, Ohio, right now. I'm still at school oh. for, for the next couple of weeks. Beautiful, beautiful school. Yeah. Big, big party school. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, and, and home, of, home of Roger Ailes, which is always Jesus nice Christ. to talk about. Uh, known for its painting, <laughs> apparently. Uh, so, so Tony, give us some, give us some, some backstory on this. I mean, we, we hear what's, uh, you know, the BuzzFeed story, so on and so forth. You go on to work and then somebody gives you a call and you're like, what the fuck's going on here? And were you always a painter, dude? Or was Sherwin-Williams uh, like just, it's, it was a job? Well, yeah. I mean, when I first started at Sherwin-Williams about three years ago, I didn't know shit about paint. I um, <laughs> And I fell in love with the job immediately, man. I mean, I loved the industry, loved helping people with their projects, picking out colors, the process of mm. making paint. It was all good. My whole career path was going to lead down through Sherwin-Williams corporate chain, doing all that. But last year... Uh, last December, I had downloaded TikTok and I saw that other people at paint stores were doing these paint videos, just the process of a mixing a gallon paint. And it fell into like the oddly satisfying category. <laughs> so was this like, oh, I don't know, Lowe's, TikTok account. Lowe's paint. Yeah. TikTok account versus, you know. Oh, a, no, no. A, a they, were just, they were just some part time workers, too, making the videos at the store. Okay, so the same thing. Doing. Right. Okay. And so, you know, I the videos took off almost immediately. I think my sixth video got like a million views. Oh fuck. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> so what I what I tried doing was I wanted to basically change the digital marketing game for the paint industry and just make interesting content to younger people. And uh SW didn't really like that and they canned me for it. Get a little bit deeper into this. This wasn't like your manager saying, Hey, you're screwing around on company time. This isn't good for us, blah, blah. This was somebody from loss prevention. I mean, right. some some suit who had no fucking clue, probably what TikTok even is today. Well, he probably does today, but probably right. didn't even know what TikTok was. Th- they were saying that you were harming the brand. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, I had made a presentation to show to marketing. I showed it to my manager and sales rep. Damn. Yeah. I mean, it was legit. I showed it to all my marketing professors here at OU Mm -hmm. and they said, move forward with this, get it to marketing. And I tried and basically got blown off for it. They didn't even look at the presentation. So I just kept making the videos. And then um, apparently someone had called customer service up in Cleveland at their headquarters and said, was complaining that I was uh, mixing. Was it the blueberry? Did the blueberry get you in trouble? Yeah, it was the blueberry video. Wow. So talk about the blueberry video. Well, what I wanted to do is I did a bunch of research on like the history of paint and they used they used to use like natural they called them natural pigments as like mm-hmm. dyes for the paint, like berries, uh, roots. So I figured, yeah, it would be cool for a video. So I bu- I was buying my own paint for those kind of videos and thought it would be a cool concept to make a video for and that video took off. That one got like twenty million views. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's how Sherwin Williams found out about it. And they weren't excited about this that they were that their brand was actually getting out and seen by 20 million different viewers no and how was the brand represented were you always wearing a a sherwin williams shirt hat was the paint always there did you always mention like hey the new point or new paint from sherwin williams da 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 before i um 
made that presentation, I was literally trying to promote Sherwin Williams, like, hey, come in the store, get these cool colors. But then once I uh, the marketing thing didn't work out with trying to show off that presentation, I just took away the label completely. And then, uh, yeah, they, they still found out about it. Because I didn't want to be doing videos like that that wasn't really approved of without with their brand in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting because first and foremost, brands are always trying to look at new cool. new mediums, right? They're looking. <laughs> they're trying to. They're trying to actually get out into new mediums, especially consumer companies, gain traction. Um, and and you had a just add water solution because you already had this this user base who wanted to see this and sherwin williams i mean hell they could have easily just grabbed this up i mean really just taking it from you to, to be quite frank uh it, but no they kicked you out the door how yeah. did that tell me how that felt man because i mean you were really you're passionate about what you're doing how did that feel you had to think you were on the fast track to like corporate oh, job in Cleveland, which who doesn't want that? But I mean, the the minute you got a million views and had a million followers, you were like, dude, I'm set. I'm going to be corporate Sherwin Williams for the next 20 years if I want it. Well, dude, I mean, my whole career path was going to go through Sherwin Williams. Go, I had internship <laughs> lined up, uh, was going to go into management sales. I literally loved the job. It almost felt like I got betra- like betrayed you did. by the company. I did a lot for them. I worked there for a very long time. And then I have some dude, and I like to call him the paint police, loss prevention. <laughs> he basically interrogated me, uh, wanted to know if I was stealing, which I wasn't. They found out that I wasn't. But then they pulled some BS excuse like I was, uh, like, what was it? Serious embarrassment to the company. And yeah, it sucked. But um, honestly, I think it's almost like a blessing in disguise at this point. Like you said, they probably would have taken that from me. Yeah, let's talk about the blessing because as soon as this hit, now who, who first and foremost, who picked it up? And then after it was picked up, it seemed like it just like exploded. Tell me about that because it, it, this does seem like almost like a blessing in disguise. If they were to take, if they would have went with that TikTok or my presentation now after all this had happened, they would have made it into some corporate, I don't even know what's saturated with corporate. Uh, it would, they would have fucked it up. That, that's it. Yeah, yeah there's, there, there's, when it comes to social media and these platforms, you have to have authenticity to it. And they would have, they would have completely screwed that up. So, yeah. And they still don't have an account, right? On TikTok? No, I don't think so. I don't think they're okay. going to take one now. So you had, you had, this broke and you had a bunch of big brands actually get in touch with you. Tell us, tell us about that. And you found a home. Tell, tell us who you picked and why you picked them. Yeah, and what was the TikTok reaction? What was were, were a million people like "fuck Sherwood Williams"? Oh, dude, it was insane. I made that the initial video that blew up and got a hold. The media got a hold of was the story about how I had gotten fired. That video um, really took off, and people were like bashing Sherwood Williams about it. My goal—I don't know if you guys had seen that initial video, but my goal wasn't even to bash Sherwin Williams and be like, Hey, like screw you guys. It was to basically develop like an emotional connection with my audience. Yeah. Um, basically give him a reason why I do what I do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people put two and two together, found out it was Sherwin Williams and took it from there. And they, they got grilled on the internet. Oh yeah. So tell yeah. us, tell us about those big brands that came to, to you and, and why you, and where you went and why, why you picked it. 
So I, after that video broke out, I got basically partnership offers and deals from basically every major paint company in the United States, like Bear, PBG, Benny Moore, um, a few smaller ones. And I went with a company called Florida Paints down there in Orlando. They didn't want to hire you necessarily, but they wanted to sponsor? Right. Sponsor the videos. Right. Okay. So nobody said, come work for us. It was like, hey, let's partner. I'll, I'll pay for you get you to post videos and promote our paints. Right. Well, they did They did offer like mainly year contracts. And then after I had graduate, I would graduate, they would offer me a job. Okay. But man, I, I wanted to steer away after that whole thing with Sherwin-Williams from the big corporate culture. I don't blame those you. Big, those big companies, man. There's too much of a chain of command. There's too many people you got to filter through. Too many lawyers. Yeah. Exactly. And so I went with a the company Florida paints in Orlando, I met with the uh, founder, Don Struby and he, it's a smaller company. They only have uh, I think about 25 to 30 stores down in Florida. And Don had called me and he was the only one, only person that I talked to through all these companies that I felt connection, like a shared passion for the importance of paint and the art of it. And that was something that really, I felt like connected with me and I've wanted to work with them ever since that. He got you. Is what it was, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is this is definitely a message to all of those brands that are out there that we talk to all the time. This wasn't just a uh, a consumer play from from the standpoint of Sherwin Williams. This was a guy who wanted to spend his life, give forty hours a week plus blood, sweat, and tears, overtime, all this stuff because he had a passion for what he was doing and they just threw all that shit in the can and now and now a company florida paints i definitely want to give those guys some love they understood they weren't corporate they weren't buttoned up and bullshit about this they understood that you were actually just demonstrating passion and who you were and that's what they wanted in their culture and and that's why you picked them exactly that is exactly what happened it's commercial time Human resources is supposed to be about humans. I mean, it's right there in the name. But when your hiring team is more like an assembly line glued to their computers, manually posting heaps of jobs everywhere they can think of, that human part feels nowhere to be found. This is a new era. Pando IQ takes the mind-numbing copy-pasting and nerve-wracking guesswork out of the job posting process. When you plan a hiring campaign with Pando IQ, you tell us who you need. Then, before you ever spend a cent, we predict what it will cost to find them. Pando IQ chooses the ideal recruiting sites from thousands of options, targeting the ones your next great hire frequently visits, then fires off your ads at precisely calculated times, surfacing the most relevant applicants for you to pick from. Now you're free to get to know the best talent, build great teams, and take care of your humans. Pando IQ will do the rest, so you can get back to doing what the computers can't. For more information on Pando IQ, go to pandologic.com that's pandologic.com it's showtime unreal right tony should be a marketing manager at sherwin williams today their loss but tony seems to be doing just fine in case you were wondering tony still works at florida paints as a content creator and he's up to 1.8 million tiktok followers You can also buy his custom paints now at Tonester, that's T-O-N-E-S-T-E-R, dot com. Chad and I first met Rick Carsley 
over Swedish meatballs at an Indianapolis Ikea where he was working out of the Philly office. The food was fantastic, but the interview was even better. So hot that we had to get Rick back on the show in 2021, just a year after our first interview. Now at Freedom Mortgage, we love Rick for his insight and his candor. Dude is all gas, no brakes. Enjoy. I'm guessing the mortgage business is pretty busy these days. It's absolutely insane. You know, I grew up in, in the mortgage industry. That's how I learned like what recruiting was, which was just completely random. I, I don't know if I ever told this story. Uh, right after undergrad, I was a loan officer, like dial for dollars call center. And there was a flyer. It was bright orange. And it said $500 referral for any loan officers that we hire. And so I went out, I joined my alumni association. I would go to like happy hours around Chicago and brag about how much money I made as a loan officer because you're clueless at that age. <laughs> and like in 45 days, I hired about 18 loan officers. And oh, that shit. caught the eye of another company who hired <laughs> me to run their like huge, huge branch that they were building. And the way I got into this this show that we call recruiting was uh, the owner was like, hey, not, you don't just hire loan officers here. You have to hire all the other jobs. And my only question was, I'm like, so those jobs have base salaries, right? He's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's easy. Yeah, I can do that. No worries. <laughs> that's like cheating, right? You're starting with a leg up already. Yeah. So then like 16 years later, uh, this, this is this is how I pay my mortgage now. <laughs> um, but the industry just, you know, blew up, uh, financial services and essential retail have been like the, you know, two things and warehouses that have kept, you know, the, the economy moving kind of since March. And when you have record low interest rates, when you have rising home prices and freedom kind of based on our size, uh, we had to hire and hire quickly. We hired, uh, like 6,300, 6,500 coworkers last year. And the kind of skilled positions in the mortgage industry, um, underwriting kind of being a huge one. Um, the overall salary of a job like that, you know, a year ago, underwriter was say two years of experience was on the market for say 70 to $75,000. Mm -hmm. That same job now that base salary is around a hundred and you have quarterly bonuses, you know, that you're all in number like a Is it virtual now? Is that a remote job? Oh, yeah. Freedom had always really been remote. Um, so that was kind of our leg up previously. Fuck yeah. But now that everybody is remote, um, there's like 10 to uh, like 12 to 15 really big players in our industry. And it is a constant battle of us kind of outbidding each other, a candidate for underwriting if they throw the flag up on LinkedIn that they're looking or toss their resume on Indeed, they're going to get hit up by like 10 companies in a matter of days. And then your staffing partners, which is huge in financial services, there, there's no industry that gets dominated by staffing uh, like financial services does just because of the volume and the constant ebb and flow. They just drive the price up further and further. So it sounds like you guys were sort of familiar with interviewing through technology, whether that be video or some other means. Mm -hmm. um, would that be correct? And, and if you're doing that in some companies that are sort of new 
to doing that, what are some tools that you find sort of invaluable? What maybe changed for you with video? Um, and I guess long term wise, it's going to stay that way for you. I mean, last time I, I, I talked to y'all, I was just singing the praises of higher view, which seems to be a reoccurring theme since I stole that idea from the Hilton back in uh, 2011. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny, the person that runs IKEA now is from the same lineage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's completely different. You know, like when you think about just where candidates come from, Ikea could spend $1 on any pay-per-click site and they're going to get 2 million impressions and thousands of thousands of applications a month. And that's brand. Yeah. That, that's not the same in financial services, regardless of who you work for. And in our right. business, the bigger you are, the worse reputation you have. Like no one wants to go work for Quicken. So, you know, in my old world of Ikea, you had so many applicants. It was like, well, how do we not take the recruiter's time? And that was just, I'm going to send you that higher view. You're going to do it yourself. And I'm going to gauge your participation in our process. And then from there, I'm going to make you take a video game assessment so I can tell the business why I'm making the hiring decision based on math versus you. That just doesn't work in our business. Um, but, you know, the financial services industry, there's times where it's beset with the same amount of fraud that you have in your normal C2C game. If you're hiring like international for .NET developers or whatever in IT. So you're doing Zoom video interviews uh, for recruiting. You're still taking them through an assessment, but that assessment is very skill specific for that exact job. So, you know, I really don't have a video uh, base solution outside of uh, Zoom right now. Um, I've been playing with LinkedIn's new add-on. Did you all see that with the two behavioral-based interview questions that you can add in there? Uh, <laughs> like when you post the advert directly on their site, have you guys played with that at all? I haven't played with it. How is it working? So, you know, the problem with LinkedIn, <laughs> I, I don't, that would take like four hours for me to answer my own statement right there. But so, you know, you post your advert and maybe one to 2% of those applications are anywhere near relevant your job. So what you can do is as part of your application, you can set up two video based questions, but you only have like 25 to 30 questions to actually choose from. So what it's been good for is kind of lower level positions right. where you're able, like my whole big thing was always evaluate people and not paper because especially coming from retail, those people aren't resume writers. Like the resumes continue to get worse and worse and worse. So it's like, let's give candidates the ability to push themselves up from the pack and show that they are willing to do the gig and that they want to do the gig. And if you're remote and remote full time, you're going to have to interact on video with your manager, with your peers, with your customers. Um, and it was free as part of LinkedIn. And now that I no longer have the IKEA budget, free is very good. Um, <laughs> so it's still, you know, like it's that same old adage, you know, 100 people apply. If you reach out to all 100, you know, knock out 35% that aren't going to respond because we've made applying so easy. And then just keep going down that funnel. So participation for the pilot, you know, I probably get maybe 18 to 20% of the people actually fill out the uh, video part of it. You know, what I've seen both LinkedIn 
do and indeed recently for the first time in forever is one improve their interface and two give away things for free all the years i've been doing this like if linkedin even thinks of a new project you see it on the invoice before you've ever even opened up the site (laughs) (laughs) don't you think that's based around competition now though and not to mention if linkedin doesn't go to video before your applicant tracking system automatically integrates acquires and then integrates uh, mm-hmm. interviewing and video. I mean, they're fucked. So, I mean, they have to beat them to the punch, don't they? They do. It, it's a cool idea, you know, and I really like it. The one thing, is, and I don't know uh, the, if the, if it was really that hard to program, but only giving me like 30 questions that I can actually ask. Yeah, that's lame. You know, like, you know, <laughs> it might as well be like, hey, tell me about your biggest hero or, do, you know, all these fluff <laughs> questions, you know, there's stuff where like, you know, where do you want to be in five years? And three people you'd like to have dinner with dead or alive. It, it's it's so similar to, to that. But what where we've been using it is just to one, when you have a market that you're just not going to find good people in. And when I say good, I just mean have done the a very similar job before at a competitor. So when you're going to go off of people that don't fit the script from, you know, A to B, then you need something to get in front of the hiring manager. Uh, The one cool thing is when you have a big LinkedIn contract, you know, the old hiring manager seats that were just never used. And it was really just like, oh, I'm sharing profiles. Like You'd always have your executive recruiters do that nonsense. Like, oh, I shared 25 profiles with the hiring manager. He wants to talk to three. You're like, cool. Does he know that that website has a 1% participation rate outside of recruitment? And we're never going to talk to those people anyway. But I, I hope he looked at those profiles. So with this, at least you can create a project. You can make the hiring manager part of that project and they can actually view the video. So it, it added a little bit onto that. Speaking of LinkedIn too, uh, did you guys see the new resume builder function that's like plugged into Microsoft Word? Yeah. I yeah. thought that was just kind of a cool add-on. It sets yeah. up for a world of plagiarism in regards to resumes that already <laughs> existed, and now we just made it one click away. It's commercial time. Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? There's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards, so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. It's showtime. Great stuff. Hopefully we'll get Rick back on the show in 2022 for his state of the industry hot takes. With housing cooling off a bit and interest rates rising recently, I'm sure his challenges at Freedom Mortgage have changed a bit, but his brutal honesty is most certainly the same. Stay tuned. I've been predicting a ZipRecruiter IPO for years, and 2021 finally proved me right. And to say there was a hot take on the IPO 
is the understatement of the year. Here's the weekly show that followed Zip's invasion of Wall Street. Enjoy. All right. So ZipRecruiter finally went public on the New York Stock Stock Exchange on Wednesday under the ticker ZIP. That's sexy. Uh, It entered the market at around $20 a share, which it went below at one point, and then creeped back up to a little over $21 a share, where it's uh, sort of hovering at the moment. ZipRecruiter management thinks the stock is worth around $25 a share. Uh, which will give the company a $3.3 billion valuation. It seems like things have settled at a roughly $2.8 billion valuation. Uh, some headlines really touted the spike in price. Uh, one Barron's headline read, quote, ZipRecruiter stock surges on debut, end quote. So, Chad, after the Glassdoor head fake pre-pandemic IPO, uh, are you ready to buy some zip? So I have to give it to you. You called this about three years ago, right? Uh, <laughs> and every year since then. Zip, Zip's going IPO. I've got to say, setting this up, Zip is far and away the best brand in our space, period. They have the best brand. And I've also said on the show many times, I also believe Zip is a better, more evolved platform than Indeed. This is what Indeed should have become, right? Instead, Indeed regressed into the early 2000s job board that it is today, where Zip is more of a relevant delivery system of talent. So the, the difference in their tech and models are stunning, right? Uh, the, the big difference, uh, I think, that that we have to also elephant in the room is, is, is revenues. Uh, Indeed is obviously still killing it. But I buy. There's no question. You buy it now. Buy it now. Buy it fast. Uh, because you have to remember, there's a lot of jobs that are going to be needed to fill. This is the time, right? So maybe early next year, uh, take your buyout and sell all your stock. <laughs> so this is when we say Chad and I are not financial experts or advisors and don't take stock tips from us. Don't that, call us or tweet at us. That'd be or dumb. sue us, for God's sake. That'd be dumb. Uh, all right. So I have, I have three takeaways uh, from the, uh, the ZipRecruiter IPO. Uh, I'm not nearly as bullish um, as you are. So my first take is, you know, this was not a disaster, but it also wasn't a, a major fireworks show either. Um, and I think that that's an indicative of the market we're in now in terms of you being a job site. And I'll, I'll talk about brand for a second. Uh, and I think number three, but uh, anyway, so this wasn't a, a disaster. You know, one of my takeaways was, you know, if Glassdoor sold for 1.5 billion uh, a couple of years ago, when I think investors, so I think investors are struggling with putting a $3 billion uh, valuation on ZipRecruiter. And I think that sort of came out in the, uh, in the IPO. Um, there's also significant competition. You mentioned Indeed killing it and they are. Uh, so have, they have a lot of challenges in terms of finding growth, although the economy is is growing, I think they're going to have a nice 12 to 24 months uh, to do that. They're also dealing with, we mentioned people coming to America. So whereas ZipRecruiter is going to have to grow internationally where established players are, they're also going to have to uh, you know manage the beachhead here in the US as you have players like Bonk and Stepstone sort of knocking, uh, knocking at the door. So you know it was sort of a meh first day. My second takeaway was that it was just sort of meh. Uh, so the, so stock twitch was stock twits, which is a pretty popular site where people talk about stocks and people can follow 
stocks. Now, this is not a scientific commentary, but it was very telling that a name like ZipRecruiter, which is a brand name, people have seen the ads, they've heard the ads, they yep. know they know the name. There are about there are only about four hundred people following ZipRecruiter at the end of yesterday, which is less than actually are following Dice. Wow, which I thought was interesting. People wow. like. People like Roblox and Slack and more, some of the more recent names yeah. uh, have tens of thousands of followers. So I thought yeah. that was sort of telling of the market just saying like, eh, a job board. Okay, great. Uh, I think people would rather invest in Roblox or Snowflake or Snap or even Bitcoin. Um, I think a job site IPO in the 90s was cool. Uh, it was dot com. It was you know where the, where the world was going. There was no social media. There was no AI and all this other shit. So today, I'm, I just don't think it's that exciting. Number three is... I think this goes back uh, to your point of tech is that I think they're I think they're losing the narrative that they're not a job board. I mean, they want to grab the quote marketplace matchmaker, which was a quote that uh, Ian said in, in, in many interviews. Uh, but I'm not so sure the market is buying it um, until they're viewed as a tech company. They're going to have a hard time capturing the interest of today's investor. So all these ads that people know of you know the 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 bar owner with the the flags of colleges in the background saying hey I posted a job on ZipRecruiter and I had you know the the woman that was hired walks in like everyone knows these ads right they need to they need a marketing campaign to get people thinking of them as you know workday or linkedin or a tech because as long as they're in this job board posting thing I think it's going to be really hard for them to to break out of that so those are my three takeaways uh from Zip I would uh I would not not buy uh, that not that I give advice. Uh, it might be a hold at this point. Um, I think it probably hovers around the twenties for a while. Maybe gets up to thirty if the economy really fires up and they have some good uh, uh, some good quarterly earnings report. But it was exciting to see an IPO, and I think bigger picture is like is is this going to spur you know Talent dot com who's rumored to be going public or ISIMS who's be, who's been rumored to go public? Does this motivate them to do it quicker? I don't think it scared them, but I don't think it was also I don't think it was oh shit we got to do it today kind of yeah. thing. I think ISIMS is going there no matter what. Yeah, ISIMS is more in that workday bubble than ZipRecruiter is like post jobs. Post jobs isn't getting anybody excited on Wall Street. Yeah, they've got to be seen as instead of a board, which is really a single dimension mm -hmm. uh, into more of a multi-dimensional type of platform. That's what people want to see. The tech, the platform, mm -hmm. instead of just like Trump's social media platform that turned into well, a, a blog. blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean this marketplace marketplace matchmaker, that's kind of sexy. Like push the hell out of that and show how it works, you know, like magic to to match people to jobs and I think you got something. So, uh we'll definitely be watching their progress uh in the months and years to come. So, yep. So, fast forward to present day, ZipRecruiter stock is now hovering around $28 a share after hitting the market at around $21. So performance has been better than my initial take back in May. I'm not qualified to give financial advice, but things should be fine for Zip as long as the economy remains red hot. For 2022, look for iSIMS to go public, which we'll certainly be watching as well. What can I say? Career Builder is the gift that keeps on giving. If there's one certainty since we launched the podcast a little over four years ago, it's CareerBuilder is going to keep us talking. What was the highlight of despair in 2021? 
Now you got to listen. Topics! Oh, boy. How long has it been since we've talked about CareerBuilder? Too long. Probably about four months, uh, the last time they announced <laughs> a new CEO. So industry icon, I say that in in or air quotes, CareerBuilder is rebranding itself, Chad. Most notably, there's a new logo. Some people are calling this the fourth new one. I'm calling it the third. As part of their new brand identity, the company is launching a TV, radio, and digital campaign with the trademark tagline, Let's Job It Up, which will be featured on programs like CBS NFL Sundays and the People's Choice Awards. Career Builder CEO Susan Arthur said in a release, Quote, this relaunch is a celebration of the ways CareerBuilder can support evolving individual ambitions with a modern, empowering brand. Chad, are you ready to celebrate CB's rebrand? Not even close. So Tim Sackett did a compare and contrast on the new logo against its predecessors, and it was Mm -hmm. funny. But it's not the point at all. This isn't about how ugly the logo and colors are. This, to me, is about the new CEO, Sue Arthur. Mm-hmm. This is about what's broken at Career Builder, and the color scheme and logo should not be the new CEO's priority. As a new CEO, you cannot allow this type of stupidity to happen on your watch because it demonstrates that you are not focused or you have no control over your fucking staff from a priority standpoint. Yep. Just for a second, let, let's say all of this was nearly or maybe finalized by the prior regime, right? I can hear that excuse right now. Well, that was all done through the prior regime. Well, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because as the new CEO, you have to understand optics as a customer or a prospect or a stakeholder. I look at this move and say, this was her first fucking move? I mean, what the fuck is wrong with her? Now I see that Sue Arthur has a wonderful list of brands and positions that she's held over the years. Just check out her LinkedIn for God's sakes. But none of them have readied her for becoming the the captain of a sinking ship. She's having the staff apply a new coat of paint to the Titanic after it hit the fucking iceberg, dude. So that's my rant. This whole logo and color thing is really just a symptom of a much larger problem at career builder. Uh, yeah. Where to start? Um, if a tree falls in the woods, does anyone hear it is a common question. So it's very, it's very telling that outside of, uh, ad age and ad week, uh, this news saw no major news outlet cover the story. Um, on Google news, that's how far this brand has fallen. Yeah, brands change uh, because of damage control or things are antiquated. They need to freshen shit up. They don't just happen on a whim like they've seemed to happen at Career Builder and the original brand, which, by the way, they spent millions of dollars, uh, you know, promoting and building with Super Bowl ads and and tons of other shit. And then and then by total surprise, they changed it up to like some uh, trivial pursuit. Uh, pie icon with the C because they were going from a job board to a software company. Well, that didn't work out so well. Uh, so I would have had more respect if they would have gone back to the old logo and said, we're going back to our roots of being a job site and being the best yeah. job site we can be as opposed to, I don't know, looking like an ink stamp um, on a on a piece of paper. It has no equity to me. Starting over from scratch is hard to sort of fathom. Now they're going to have to you know, spend more money on that. 
let's job it up. I don't know if that really rolls off the tongue that well. We'll see how that goes. Uh, the Super Bowl ad or the ads that they have, at least they're sort of being funny. The one thing that I think that struck me really quickly uh, was in the ad that they promoted, uh, the guy who's in the break room and the, the boss is cooking uh, fish or something. The guy, the, the employee, the disgruntled employee applies to 15 jobs at once on his uh, on his mobile phone through his Boom. career builder app. Now that is not really the message. Scattershot. That's really not the the message most employers want to see. No. All in all, this is lipstick on a pig. Uh, I want to see some innovation out of career builder uh, that doesn't involve Pokemon Go. Uh, to me, that's <laughs> really going to change the story about career builder. Not a new tagline and not a new logo. A new coat of paint on a sinking ship. <laughs> Fucking diversion. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I posted a poll on LinkedIn asking who had actually seen one of the new career builder ads on TV. I live in Indiana, which isn't exactly a hotbed for commercial activity. So I wondered if my connections in the bigger markets had seen it. Not surprisingly, only 4% said they had seen the ad. So CareerBuilder apparently doesn't have Indeed or even ZipRecruiter type money to drop on ad buys. Maybe in 2022, they'll spend some real coin on advertising, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Either way, we're likely to continue talking about CareerBuilder and the dumpster fire well into 2022. Stay tuned and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! We'd never admit it, but deep down, we all get at least some pleasure from bad things happening to somebody we don't like. History's full of stories about bitter enemies being mutually horrible. Usually nothing good comes of it. But sometimes, sometimes, you get soul singers James Brown and Joe Tex, or 17th century nun Sor Juana, and the entire Catholic Church duking it out and dramatically changing our world. On Beef with Bridget Todd, we tell the stories of those petty feuds behind some of the greatest art, innovation, and global events. Listen to Beef wherever you get your podcasts.